When I think of the term bodega, my mind immediately goes to New York City. A store with neon lights, a place where you can buy lottery tickets and everything your heart desires at 3 a.m. My mind also goes to an Instagram page titled Bodega Cats of Instagram. It's this beloved Instagram page of random candid pictures of cats in New York City bodegas. The word bodega can be traced back to a Latin word for storehouse, apoteca, and it's referred in English to a retail establishment of some sort. Although bodega initially meant a storehouse for wine, it now most commonly refers to a grocery store in an urban area, especially one that specializes in Hispanic and Latino groceries. These stores are common in places like New York City, Philadelphia, and even Chicago. But in a place like Milwaukee that's often dubbed as Smallwaukee, can bodegas exist in our city? This conversation flowed heavily through our inner circle here at Radio Milwaukee to the point where I needed to find answers. I teamed up with Aaron Begata, our creative marketing manager, and took this question on the road. This is Uniquely Milwaukee. It's everything you love about community stories, but more in depth. Giving the stories the time and attention they deserve. Changing perspective one episode at a time. I'm your host, Salam Fatayed, and this is Uniquely Milwaukee. Stories that stick with you. Here's our pitch. After some time researching, which consisted of speaking to people, diving into Reddit and Google searches, we were making sure our picks had a cultural significance. Aaron and I landed on five cultural grocery stores around Milwaukee and put those locations to the test. We would visit these spots, take in the atmosphere, order a few items, and come back and finally put this question to rest. We, of course, needed to set some parameters. At the very least, these locations needed to sell staple items, be a vital establishment for the neighborhood, and of course, serve to go food like a deli. So Erin, now that we're back from this food tour, let's start with the basics. What does a bodega mean to you? When I think about a bodega, I think of a store that is a community resource, something that has maybe a little bit of everything that kind of reflects the the neighborhood that it serves. So I think, you know, a bodega could be a general store, but it could also be something of a kind of like a cultural hotspot in a way, depending on what the bodega specializes in. Yeah, and I think a main component is that it needs to serve ready-to-eat cold and hot food. Otherwise, it's just a grocery store. Let's start with the first stop, Gloriosos Italian Market, located on Brady Street. Our strategy for picking this as the first location really was narrowed down to the fact that it was the closest to the radio station. These gas prices are no joke. But Gloriosos is a Milwaukee gem that stretches over seven decades. Erin, you have a special tie with this place. I've been going to Gloriosos with my family since I was little, and it's a favorite of my family because my family's Italian. So my grandma and my grandpa would always, like every Christmas, go to Gloriosos for ingredients. They'd buy ingredients from Gloriosos, then they'd come home, cook them, and then serve them to us for for a family dinner. I grew up going to Gloriosos for the Italian cookies, also Shortino's mm-hmm. Bakery, which is right down the road. So it's, I don't know, I have like a, just a special place in my heart for Gloriosos. I love that. Yeah, I feel the same way when I go to Arabic stores. It's like these institutions become a fabric of your upbringing and childhood, and they really become fundamental to you. But this was the first time I had Italian cookies. And to our audience listeners, I know I'm not proud that it took me this long. They were incredible. I definitely used Erin as a guiding star and what to try. Yeah, I loved that um, while we were in line to buy Italian cookies, 
there was this woman next to <laughs> us and she overheard us talking and I was talking about my family and we kind of share that like that Gloriosos is very much a tradition in our families. Mm-hmm. And she went on to ask me what my family's last names are. So I started listing, I'm like, oh, like Bogata, Sardina. And she was, <laughs> she started listing her like family's last names as well to see if we had any ties to, yeah. to Sicily or Italy. And that was really sweet. We did interview a worker there. And when I asked her if she considered Gloriosos as a bodega, she had her thoughts. Um, it would depend upon who you ask. I think the people in this neighborhood um, were kind of right in the middle of a food desert, if you will. Uh, with the exception, I, I always forget there's fresh time and everything. But for walking people in the Brady Street community, I would think they would consider this a bodega. This would definitely be their, you know, place to go to grab a loaf of bread and some peanut butter, or you know, grab a six pack or their coffee on their way to work. I think other people outside of the Brady Street community would view it more so as a grocery store. Some would say Gloriosus is not a bodega. It's more of a market. And I kind of would be on that side a little bit. When I think about bodega, I think about little shop that's convenient. Even though Gloriosos has bodega-esque elements, like it's a mom-and-pop shop, family-owned businesses, and it's cultural, mm-hmm. um, it just ultimately like lands on the size for me. I feel like Gloriosos is too big to mm-hmm. be a bodega. What are your thoughts on that? Are you team bodega or not for Gloriosos? You know, after thinking about it, I feel like Gloriosos is definitely more of a market because of its size and what it all offers. Also, Gloriosos has individuals working for the market that are specialized in what it is they are working with. Like we talked to a woman who knew everything about the wine section. Mm -hmm. She was an expert in it and where the wine was sourced from what the best-selling wine is, and then you go to the bakery and you have people who know about those Italian cookies. You know, the the bakers are there who have made the cannolis. Yeah. And then the same with, like, the like produce and, like, the meat section as well. So you have these very, like, specialized individuals that are in charge of each, each section. So you don't find that typically at a bodega. Right. You know, you have limited employees and maybe, you know, these employees kind of do a little bit of everything. I agree. You know, and although it's not a bodega, I will say that it's like a Milwaukee staple. Mm-hmm. It was like, it's there for 70 years. It's intricate with Brady Street. And it's not also your traditional grocery store. It has know. a very unique character that people latch on to. There's and heart and warmth recognize. there too. Yeah. And it's like Milwaukee's taste of Italy. Mm-hmm. I want to say that like after a little adventure, I went back there and got the Gloriosus marinara sauce and a bottle of wine. I have not drink the wine yet. Mm-hmm. But it was such a main character moment because I felt like I was shopping locally and I uh-huh. went to a specific place to get sauce. Mm-hmm. And it like helped me romanticize grocery shopping, which is something that I typically never do. So first stop, failed mission already. We love Gloriosos. You have a cultural and a, a historical tie with your family, mm-hmm. but it's not a bodega. But we are still keeping that faith strong. So we get back into your car and go to our next stop, which was Copas on North Farwell Street. And if you've never been, Copas has an incredible old school vibe to it from the funky wallpaper to the taxidermy. And the coolest, most recognizable part is their retro Atari setup, which essentially means that you can play while waiting on your sandwiches. I've been to Copas a few times. And it's very much for last minute things that I need, which I think is definitely a purpose of a bodega. You know, it's there when you're like, oh, shoot, I forgot blank. The bodega has it. You need that toilet paper. You need salt. Right. But when we went, that was definitely the longest time that I had spent at Copa's. 
And I'd never had food there. I've heard about the food. It, you know, it's kind of, mm-hmm. it's lived in my mind as lore, you know, like, oh, you have to have this sandwich or this sandwich. or. But we went and we had the Elvis, which was fried banana and peanut butter. Yeah, it's described as fried banana and peanut butter fit for a king. Mm-hmm. And the menu is just so diverse. You know, there's really a sandwich for anyone. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, it, there wasn't really a long line, but there was one person at the counter, and every few minutes there would be someone that would come in, and they would wait in line for the sandwich and right. such. So it seems like a, an establishment made for that neighborhood. To me, if we're comparing Gopas to Gloriosos, Gopas definitely takes the cake of being more like a bodega. As you mentioned, it's the random assorted items and then the deli. We also got a second sandwich there, which was the beetle cork. It's a grilled cheese sandwich with pepper jack cheese and jalapenos. Outstanding on its own if you like a little kick. But to put this in perspective, throughout the day, Erin and I would go back to her car and eat our selected food. And to no fault but our own, we really messed up by pairing this with the Elvis. Let me tell you, jalapenos do not really work with peanut butter and banana. It was a choice, and I have to stand by my past self's mistake. <laughs> so I feel like your car is kind of a character in this episode. <laughs> Very much so. Lots of different fumes of different smells from each stop, too. Absolutely. <laughs> So we are in Aaron's car, stomach turning a little bit. I'm feeling conflicted because our first two stops were completely different, but just a four minute drive from North Farwell to North Holton over the Milwaukee River, we come across a Milwaukee hidden find and my definition of a true authentic bodega. We just wanted to see uh, if Milwaukee has bodegas and what qualifies as a bodega. They, like this, is, yeah, bodega. I come from New York, so I know what bodega is. When we talk about bodegas, it would be a disservice to not include this next spot on the list. I'm talking about Pueblo's food and liquor. Erin, what were your thoughts on Pueblo? It was so cool to talk to that woman who was from New York. She was the one who was cooking all of the food, and it really was just her. Yeah, it was actually like authentic homemade food too. Right, I believe we had some sort of beef stew. And then We had plantains. And it was really good. And we weren't the only people in line either. Mm-hmm. Like there there was a small little line in the back. So in conversing with her, she did mention that people come here for the food. Yeah. But what surprised me about that place is that they had so many just like raw ingredients, like a lot of beans and spices mm-hmm. and just unique items that you can't just get at Pick and Save or your traditional grocery store. I, I completely agree. And I think this was the first stop for me that really felt like a bodega. And especially mm-hmm. I think it's like the Spanish roots. But like yeah. it felt like you had to know what was there in order to go. Mm-hmm. Like even um, the hot dishes, there really wasn't any like signs or anything. Like we had to ask and be like, what's this? What's in this thing? And it was like really tight and condensed. But there was a, there was a pretty good line of people coming in, getting food for their family and a lot of containers and such. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a sweet moment with the cashier at Pueblo's Food and Liquor. We came with our recorder and camera, and once we explained what we were doing, the cashier gave us our food for free, which was incredibly generous and kind. I also want to add that even though Pueblo is known for its hot and ready Puerto Rican food, the owner is Indian. And keeping those Latin roots intact with different ownership really shows how communities from different backgrounds can come together and be a real representation of how diverse our city is. I also remember that store having a lot of produce and a lot of fruits and fruits that like you can't find in other places. I believe they had coconuts for sale. Did they? Okay. 
papaya, I believe, mm. too. And like the signs were all handwritten, too, which was sweet. For some reason, our first three stops were within the same one mile radius. This was purely coincidence, but our next contender on the list is located in south of Milwaukee. Earlier, Erin mentioned that Gloriosos holds a special spot in her heart because of her background. When we're talking about my cultural roots, this is the closest I felt when shopping. Our fourth spot on the list is Al Yusuf on South 20th Street. There's so much I can say about Al Yusuf, but honestly, going to this Middle Eastern store reminds me of my dad. Just like many immigrant parents, one of the ways my dad shows his love is by providing food. And it's like a weekly thing where I get a text from my dad asking if I need fresh pita bread or a tub of lebne. Al Yusuf is definitely a place where I'm most familiar with, but this was the first time you've ever been, Erin. How was that for you? I was impressed and just... I just just so surprised over the pride that all of the workers had for mm-hmm. El Youssef. You could tell that everyone who worked there really enjoyed their job, mm-hmm. that their coworkers were like their family. Mm-hmm. And they were just so accommodating, so informative and welcoming. Like it was a great experience. Yeah. Especially for me. Like I had never been to El Youssef and I don't speak the language. So it was a great learning experience for me, and I'd really recommend it to anyone who hasn't been to go because I was introduced to a lot of new foods and met a lot of really great people there. You know, before this, I've never really considered Al Yusuf as a bodega, but now that I think about it, it definitely screams it from the shawarma to the falafel sandwiches and the assorted drinks. They even have a variety of these Gold Rims Arabic coffee cups right across a bag of chickpeas. Like, how random is that? I love that while we were there, you called your mom because you knew your mom would want you to pick up some some items and you had a very long conversation that involved us kind of like running around the store, grabbing different things. Yeah. My mom came to visit after not seeing her for four years and she wanted to make us mlujia, which is this like soup broth that you put on top of rice made out of jute leaf. But I ended up getting the wrong brand. I did, however, get the seven spice blend, which is this affordable Middle Eastern spice container that doesn't contain any ingredients. You're just going to have to trust that it's like the proper ingredients you want. My family has been using it for years, so I trust it. I love that when we were shopping, I got to share an aspect of my culture with you. I even went as far as making you a labne sandwich with pita bread, which is like this tangy yogurt spread. And we I bought like, the ingredients for that sandwich at Al Yusuf. Yes. And then we made it, or I should say you made it for me, in my car in the parking lot of Al Yusuf. <laughs> I just had the excitement of a kid presenting something at a show and tell, and I'm really happy we had that moment together in your car on a cold December day. And I would say, in terms of Odega, I would definitely consider a Yusuf one, especially if we're looking at the area. It's in an area that is predominantly Middle Eastern, and they offer items that you really aren't going to find anywhere, from candy to the jars of grape leaves and handmade olive oil soap. We have one more stop to get to. It's the farthest from our radio station. This is the place that I was most excited about because I didn't really know anything about it until one of our coworkers recommended checking it out during our meetings. Right in Wauwatosa in the Mayfair Business Center, our final destination is Indian groceries and spices. What was interesting about this this bodega is that I guess it's not what you think when you picture bodega. Because the location of this store is 
in the the first floor of an office building that's yeah. really close to Mayfair Mall. So it's very unassuming from the outside. You think, you know, there might be a chiropractor or a dentist in this office, you know. Yeah. But instead, the first floor is the Indian groceries and... I remember we checked our GPS because we we're like, is this the spot? Right. And you had to go up like a weird, um, like hill to go up to yeah. it, like in the parking lot. And then like you walk in and it's just a portal mm-hmm. to a really cool place. It's massive. It felt like two stores in one. And we lucked out because we went on a Thursday and apparently Thursdays are when the fresh samosas are delivered, which is what we ended up getting. They were so good. Mm-hmm. And I love that the woman who worked there let us use her microwave. That was she very encouraged sweet. it too. She's like, "All right, if you're gonna eat these, you have to do it the right way, and this is how." And she brought us to like the staff, you know, Area. only microwave. Yeah. And she's like, "Just warm it up in here." <laughs> but that was really, really delicious. It hit the spot, and those fresh samosas were a great closer to essentially a five course meal. I did want to ask because earlier we eliminated Gloriosos as a contender because of its size. Is it safe to say that goes the same with Indian groceries and spices? Yeah, I think it's definitely a good debate because it was uh, smaller than Gloriosos Mm -hmm. and it wasn't the size of your expected supermarket. It was the size of like a... It felt like it was like two bodegas put together and there was like that break wall. Right. I think in terms of its offerings, it seemed very bodega-esque to me. I agree. Because you had, like, healthcare products, beauty products. You had spices. Mm-hmm. You had fresh-cooked, you know, food available. And those are all elements of a bodega in my mind. But then again, I'm thinking about the location. And yeah, it, it's in almost, like, the first floor of an office building, mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing. You know, it actually made for a really cool experience. But I'm wondering, you know, it's not what you think when you think of a bodega and all the neon signs and the advertisements and posters in the window. Yeah, you bring up a good point because a bodega is about accessibility and it needs to be integral in the neighborhood where if you need to grab something at 9 p.m., you go to the spot. And I don't think that's possible when you're in a business district. It's not as easy to link the neighborhood that it's serving. That's you true, know, too, too, because it is near Mayfair Mall, and it's— It was, um, like, kind of near, like, a—not a highway, but, like, a busy street. Busy there wasn't, like, street, any houses near it either. A lot either. of businesses. So I don't know if it'd necessarily be walkable or, I guess, as visible and accessible as other bodegas. So final answer, Ooh. bodega or not. <laughs> I'm going to go with no, but still mm-hmm. cultural hotspot. Right, okay. right. I agree. I have to say, Erin, out of our five locations, we ended up with three bodegas. That's 60% and a success in my book. If you can just indulge me, I would love to hear about your favorite moments. Let's do top three, your favorite moment, favorite spot, and favorite meal of the day. Okay, my favorite moment, I think, was actually seeing you in Al Yusuf because (laughs) I was just blown away by just like... You speaking another language. Because yeah. I ordered Chihuahua for you too as well. Yes, and you did. To you were the best person to go there with. <laughs> I was um, like, I got you. This is what you Yeah, needs. no, it was beautiful to see that other side of you. And it was also beautiful just to see the energy of the employees there. Mm-hmm. That I really appreciated. Let's see, my favorite food might be the samosas. Mm. I think that was a great closer. Let's see, what was the other question? Uh, I said favorite food, favorite moment, and then favorite spot. So oh, I guess, gosh. Okay, favorite yeah. spot. I mean, I am pretty biased to Glorioso. Oh, yes. Just because I have a lot <laughs> of memories there. Solid choices. 
For me, uh, my favorite moment was at Copas, taking those weird photos and looking at the taxidermy. When I'm alone, I'm typically always in my head, specifically when I'm shopping for groceries, I'm in the zone. It's definitely not a errand that I like to do. So it was nice to take a pause and look around and take in the charm of the place. You pointed out that there were flip-flops. It's December in Wisconsin was, and we're selling flip-flops. You know, you, you never know. You never know. You could get a pedicure and you need flip-flops and you don't want to put socks on. You got a flop, you got a flop. Yeah. When you got a flop, you got a flop. Um, so that was my favorite spot. I think my favorite meal, I feel like it... it it was the Lebanese sandwich. The pita bread is fresh and I think it's a biased answer because I made it, but it served as a love language, making us something to eat. And my favorite moment of the day had to be at Indian Groceries and Spices when we used our microwave to heat up our food. It was just so simple and heartfelt and in a true extension of kindness. And it was a really like a reinforcement that even in COVID, when people, I think, expect people to be antisocial or a little distant that they're like incredibly friendly and it just shows the midwestern charm and how open people are to their culture because mm -hmm. i think when we came in and we were like it could be a little intimidating two people coming in with media equipment like mm -hmm. pictures and such and you don't want to be disrespectful but i think when you tell someone like we just want to learn about culture and want to try your foods like people can be incredibly open to that mm -hmm. and just share this reminded me that despite Milwaukee being called small walkie there is so much to explore that mm -hmm. I have not explored there's so much to learn that I have just I'm not even aware of and that day really reminded me that you know there are all these like hidden gems in Milwaukee yeah. and in order to find them sometimes you have to like step outside of your comfort zone I just feel like each bodega that we went to was just packed full of personality that's just undeniable and so again, it's kind of like you walk through a portal when you walk through the doors of these bodegas. Milwaukee bodegas aren't the same as you would think about in New York City. And we aren't claiming that they're similar whatsoever. But if we break down the definition, it's a little store. Something I failed to recognize before we started this experiment is that bodegas serve as a necessity. A way that we can look at that is all these businesses accept EBT cards, with the exception of Gloriosos. Now, so do traditional grocery stores, but when we're seeing a wave in race delivery services offering convenience, it eliminates lower income people that rely on these markets in their neighborhood. That's just one example on how essential these stores are to the communities they serve. It's also important to point out that people have a desire to find cultural foods at a convenience. I think about when I was younger, when my family would come visit, they would bring a suitcase of dried food and spices. And now having a place that carries those items in south of Milwaukee allows me to continue that connection with food that I was raised on. Also, according to the Biden administration, 400 Afghan refugees have resettled in Wisconsin as of January. Even though Afghanis are not Arab, there's similarity in that cuisine. And to have a place like Al Yusuf that offers comfortability in a difficult time, shows that these bodegas can offer a sense of home to people. I'm your host, Salam Fatayer. Thank you to our executive producer, Nate Imig, our audio engineer, Kenny Perez, with additional story support by Evan Radulowski. Thank you to our marketing team, led by Sarah Lahr. Graphics and logos were made by Aaron Bagada, who also was the co-star of this episode. Community engagement management from Maddie Reardon. And Dan Reiner handles our social media. 
And a big thank you to our members for making Uniquely Milwaukee and 15 years of community stories possible. We will see you back here next Monday. I'm Salam Fathayer, and this was Uniquely Milwaukee.